0: Okay, Sammy H, you're very, very welcome. If you'd like to unmute and share your story, I will give you a warning at 10 minutes. Did you say? Yeah, 10 minutes. Um, So take it away, Sammy. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's great to be here. What a joy and a privilege. Always um, great to be able to give service in this way. So how do I qualify to be here? Well, um, I have been in excess of 140 pounds overweight all of my adult life, Um, well over that, a lot of it. Um, My overeating started when I was a very young child. I was brought up in an abusive um, family. Um, There was no safe place for me to go or be. And remember clearly my first binge when I was nine years old, and I remember the effect that I got from that binge. Um, And that continued through most of my childhood. Um, Yeah, comfort. I found comfort in food, in a world where there was no comfort. And um, I saw food for most of my life as as a a supplement for my mother's love basically Um, always always overweight Um, as a teenager i would have to shop um, in maternity shops i couldn't get clothes to fit me i wanted to look like all the other teenagers um, but i couldn't do that i had to buy clothes in in special special shops and uh, the humiliation continued throughout the whole of my life um which i blocked out which which caused more pain um and it was a cycle that i got locked locked into so yeah in my late teens um i would be eating and binging quite often um would sort of eat during the day, have my meal at night, and then I would be out in the evening and would be eating all over again. Um, I went from binging to eating constantly from the moment I got up to the time that I went to bed. Um, I got many, many addictive behaviours. It's not just food that I am addicted to, relationships, um, you know, all manner of things I would use. Um and I continued like that. I continued like that into my early 20s. I used people. I lied. I stole food. I hid food. Um, I felt deeply ashamed. Sheer Fear and shame ran through me like a stick of rock, really. That that really is the, you know, the forces and not feeling good enough and not being enough and being told I wasn't enough, actually, by, by my parents and other adults in my life. Um, Was relentlessly bullied at school, didn't do well at school at all, was very traumatised from my childhood um, and really, really struggled. Work was my sanctuary. Um, I loved work. I could get money and then I could buy food. Um, And a car was my freedom and then I could go places to get food. You know, my whole life has been about how I can get, how I can use, what I can use, when I can use it and using you to get what I want. And um, that's the addict in me. Um, So that went on for a long, long time. Um, 25 years ago, I found OA and I came into OA. Um, I loved it because you all loved me, you know. Um, I got lots of hugs and lots of love and everybody made me feel the way that I'd never felt in my life. You know, unconditional love, not being judged, brilliant. So I just pretended that I was in recovery. I pretended that I was doing what I needed to do. Um, I was incredibly arrogant, incredibly um, full of self-will. I spoke at a convention um, in England, uh, stood up in front of thousands of people and spoke about recovery and I wasn't even in recovery. And then when they wouldn't put out the recording that they'd made of me talking about recovery when I wasn't in recovery. Then I got really pissed off, sorry, really, really upset (laughs) with OA and uh, left OA. Um, And I was in a very painful place for the next 25 years. And the pain increased and the food increased and um, I ended up at around 25 stone 140 150 pounds overweight um, and I become very physically ill um, I couldn't walk um, my veins were full of fat I had fat behind my eyes my legs i got no feeling in my legs whatsoever I had pain throughout my body I came down the stairs in the morning and I couldn't go up the stairs again until, until when I had to go to bed at night. And it was like, you know, sort of hanging on to the banister and trying to drag myself up the, up the um, stairs. The madness, um, I was gluten intolerant, but I was still stuffing the stuff in my body. Um, I would be eating boxes of um, sugary, creamy things. Um but I'd have a Diet Coke with that because I, you know, I had to have a balanced diet. You know, I'd be eating 12 cakes and um and a can of Diet Coke. It was mad. And um I was in I was in a deep, deep denial and I was deeply dissociated from my body. My body was not connected to my mind and my brain at all. I was successful in all areas of my life. I was a professional woman, I ran multi-million pound businesses. I was in control of my finances. Everything about me was very successful. I had a really nice house. I drove a really nice car, but I could not control this thing. It was like a you know a monster in a cage and I just could not keep the door shut on the monster. I couldn't. So um, you know, I'd reached this point, Um, I was very, very disabled. I was really, really on the pity pot. It was terrible, all these terrible things that were happening to me, but I didn't want to take responsibility for any of that whatsoever. You know, it was all everybody else's fault. Um, You were all out to get me, you know, the world, um, the world was a horrible place and I was really, really ill and it was nothing to do with me. So um, I'd met, somebody at that convention actually the one when i pretended i was in recovery and wasn't in recovery i'd met somebody then and they'd remained friends with me over the years and it was actually her that sat me down and said what about your eating and what about the food and i swore Uh at (laughs) her i said you know f you basically how dare you how dare you make me face the reality and take responsibility for my own life because as an addict i never wanted to do that i lived in a fantasy land i lived in a fantasy land and i was always kind of looking for somebody or something outside of myself to make me feel better constantly 24/7 you know i had a dog i wanted a cat i had a cat you know i wanted this i moved i don't know how many times i was always looking for a solution outside of myself so, anyway, she kind of made me face this and she said, I'm going to slip something in your inbox. And she did. And it was a rehab. It was a rehab in the States, actually, in America. So, I did a 10 week boot camp and I literally went into detox. And it was like detoxing my heroin. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And for the first Four weeks of my life, I would go into the kitchen with masking tape over my mouth because I couldn't stop the hand to mouth, the hand to mouth, the hand to mouth. It becomes so habitual, this constant, constant eating from the moment I got up to the time I went to bed. I had stuff stashed around the house. I had it hidden in toilet rolls. I had it hidden in the garage. I lied to people. and alcohol, too, had become sort of quite a, quite a chronic um, second drug of choice that would go down, you know. And in the morning, if I couldn't get my caffeine and I didn't get my sugar, I was like a drug addict, a dra- drug addict. I was rattling. I was literally rattling and I was not a very nice person to be around. So coming off the sugar and the flour and the other things, caffeine had to go, uh, alcohol, obviously. Um but I wanted to be clean. I decided I wanted to be clean and I dropped to my knees the morning when I started this, you know, change in my life. I dropped to my knees and I prayed for help and I was in such a desperate state. You know, I, I got the ego deflation of death. You know, I was facing my own mortality and I had a choice. There was nowhere else to go. There was no other choices. I couldn't beat this. It had beaten me. I'd been like this for 43 years and I thought I could get away with it. You know, I was the morbidly obese person who wasn't going to die. You know, I didn't have a heart attack and I wasn't diabetic. And I was really, you know, I was going to be the healthy, morbidly obese person. You know, I thought I could beat it, but it beat me. I thank God every day for the gift of desperation. Because I prayed and I meant it. Please help me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. What am I going to do without this food? It was, it was felt like raw survival to me. I thought I would die without it. And I didn't know what I was going to do with the time. You know, I was always out for lunch, out for coffee, out for this. And my whole life revolved around food, you know. So I came into recovery. Well, I got clean in a boot camp, but I realized when I came out of the boot camp that I needed, you know, support. So I went back to OA. I didn't want to be there, I have to be honest. Uh, There wasn't enough recovery. Thank you. There wasn't enough recovery there for me. I was far too good for all of this. You know, um, I was this and I was that and I was the other. You know, I was in physical recovery, but I was not in spiritual recovery and I was not in emotional recovery. So I came, into, I came into OA. It was all too good for me. I didn't want to be there. But this voice inside my head said, shut up, give, give your recovery to these people. And it was a dear fellow who said, you know, just just start reaching out to your higher power. And that's what I did. I reached out to a higher power. I've connected with that higher power every day. And I cannot tell you the miracle, the miracle that has happened in my life. You know, I've lost between 130 and 140 pounds. I don't know. I'm not interested in that. That's not my business. My body's not my business. My weight's not my business. I didn't come in this program to lose weight. I came in this program to get clean and to stay clean and to never have to go there again. And you know, to me, that's that's the right way to look down the telescope. You know, the weight in the body that will sort itself out. None of my business. None of my business. So I hand myself over every day. I surrender every day. I do one step, one, two, and three every day. I do, well, I do every step every day. Actually, um, I work with fellows every day. I work with sponsees every day. Um, I give service every day. It's not about me anymore. You know, that selfish human being that. Um, self-obsession, self-seeking, self self, I was everything, you know, I was all of that and some. Um, I'm totally, totally surrendered today, totally surrendered. And um, I'm so, so, so grateful, so grateful for that. I heard somebody, Kim Ji actually, um, shared in a workshop that I was in, you know, I'm like Cinderella. I get to wear a pretty dress and go to the ball every day, every single day I get to do that. But when I wake up in the morning, you know, I've got 12 hours of untreated addiction there. And before I step or talk, step out of bed or talk to a person, I have to connect with that power because that is the only way that I am any use to myself, to you or to God. You know, I I am a helpless, hopeless, dying addict on my own. I cannot do this on my own. So. Thank you for inviting me. This, you know, this saves my life (laughs) Um, and I owe my life to this programme. So thank you all for listening. And um, I hope that, you know, some of what I've shared may may help you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sammy. That was just wonderful.